Thank you for listening to the CEO-ish podcast hosted by me, Taylor Graham. And me, Chloe Willemson. We are so excited to announce that our very own podcasting platform, Zencaster, has become our first official sponsor for the show. Check out the podcast discount link in our show notes and stay tuned for why we love using Zencaster for our podcast. Hello, hello, and welcome back, bitches, hoes, and CEOs. We're starting this episode off again with some more apologies. This week, I'm the one who's sick. Taylor's feeling better. Hopefully next week, we will both be in good health, but you never know. Apologies. This was inevitable considering we live together, but still apologies. (laughs) Yeah, and we like share a mic when we're podcasting. So we're like a foot away from each other when we record. So, you know, that's it's just bound to happen. I just, I, for the most part, feel better. I just cannot seem to shake congestion and the cough that is just sitting in my chest constantly. Yeah, I don't know what this is, but it's not a good time. (laughs) Anyway, this week we have a really good interview with our friend Hannah Janae. She was episode number seven with us, if you have been here since the beginning. If not, honestly, none of the three of us would recommend you go (laughs) listen to that. Like It'll be linked in the show notes if you absolutely feel the need, but all of us are equally embarrassed by just how scripted the entire episode was. We were very new to podcasting. We wanted to make sure we were hitting all of our points and it was just an embarrassing time. Character development. Character development. I think that you can really see the growth that all three of us have had over the past year and just how we've all gotten more comfortable talking in front of a camera. And also we just have gotten closer as friends. So this really is a fun conversational episode. We're going to be talking all about body positivity, self-love, mental health, and trigger warning to our family members out there. This is where you want to leave If you choose not to, we don't want to hear about it, but we are going to be talking about how you can use masturbation to work on your body positivity and self-love because it can be used as a tool and we need to destigmatize that. Yeah. um, uh, uh, My father, please don't listen to this episode for the love of God. Like I've given up on my mom. She's going to listen either way. I've just fully given up on her, but dad, please. No, not this one. Not this one. Yeah. You just, some things are just conversations a father and daughter don't ever need to have. Listen, this is between me and the one million people I decide to talk to on the internet about it, not me and my family members. Thank you. Exactly. It's so embarrassing whenever like a family member or like a friend that's not that close, but like more of an acquaintance is like, yeah, I listen to your podcast. I'm like, that's not for you. I, I feel that way when people find my TikTok videos. I'm like, that's not for you. That is yeah. for me in the... 2,000 other people that I make my content bad. I for. I dropped my phone. Yeah, we're moving slow over here, you guys. As we said, we're recovering. We really don't have that many updates this week, too, because, I mean, all I did was lay in bed and Chloe went to work and then got sick, so... <laughs> The only thing I want to talk about is since watching the Wednesday Adam series, which we finished in two sittings, um, I've been... I don't know. Taylor has never seen Tim Burton movies, any of them. Like I've seen a few here and there, like the classics, like the Halloween classics, like Edward Scissorhands. But other than that, I haven't really done a deep dive on Tim Burton movies. And yes, that includes the Disney animated classics like The Corpse Bride and A Nightmare Before Christmas, which I'm not going to lie to you guys. Chloe and I did watch that movie. I was not that into it. I'm sorry to disappoint, but musical heavy productions have never been my thing. I, I can't do it. Fair enough. It's not one of my favorite films of his. But yeah, we've been doing a Tim Burton movie-a-thon because, yeah, neither 
one of us really feels up to doing literally anything else. So I don't know. Do, do you like? What are your thoughts of Tim Burton overall? I think he is a fantastic director. I think he works with some really iconic actors and actresses, and I think overall he does a really good job of being like spooky, creepy, but not like jump scare spooky, creepy. And it's not gory either. Like he's just really a good. If I wanted to watch quote unquote something scary, my my cutoff would be Tim Burton because it's not really that scary. It's more just like it's spooky. Like Wednesday Adams wasn't scary to me at all. It was just kind of like a little creepy. I don't know. I like that. Yeah, I really like his movies. Um, we're yet to watch Big Fish, which is one of my favorite one of his. So I'm really excited to hear your thoughts on that. It's one you really need to pay attention to. So we got to be in the right mood for it. Yes, let's recap. Hang on. We watched um, Alice in Wonderland. We watched Alice Through the Looking Glass. We, we wa- fell asleep through Alice Through the Looking Glass. I've seen that one before, though. That was not a new to me Tim okay. Burton movies. That was one of the few I had seen. Um, what else did we watch? Oh, Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice. Which I remember seeing that as a kid, and I had to have been too young for it because I remember being really disturbed by it. And then we, we, we rewatched it, and... Yeah, not disturbed by it at all. I think it's really cool. I mean, I wish it wasn't so I'm old, like be if it was filmed in a modern day completely honest studio. That is one of those movies I feel like I saw it once and I never need to see it again. Yeah, I agree. I, there's like a lot of movies like that. Like I feel like it's just like a classic, like a reference point that like most people can make. So I feel like it's important to see it once. I actually feel that way about most of the 80s movies. I know I'm going to break both my parents' hearts saying that, but like the 16 Candles, The Breakfast Club, all of that, saw it once, don't particularly feel the need to rewatch it again. Yeah. And I feel like those are movies that like ideally you would have watched when you were younger. I feel like they really play up like the nostalgia factor and maybe I will appreciate them when I'm just a little bit older. I don't know. It just, they don't do it for me. A lot of them are so slow moving for me. Like the plot doesn't move fast enough. Yeah. And I get that. And playing on the nostalgia, if you didn't watch it when you were younger, it's not nostalgic for you. No, exactly. So (laughs) Hannah Montana is nostalgic for me. Thank you. (laughs) The sweet life, the sweet life of Zach and Cody. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah, I'm really excited for Big Fish though. And have you seen Sleepy Hollow? I have not. I feel like that's a good Halloween one. Okay. We can we can do it. We'll have to do that one. But Big Fish, I have high hopes. I have high expectations for the way that you're gonna feel about it. We will continue on our Tim Burton series and continue updating you guys. But yeah, all that to say is watch the Wednesday Adam series. Yeah. Oh, it was so good. I'm so excited for season two. I'm just so impressed with Jenna Ortega and just the entire cast, honestly. They casted it really well. I forget the teacher's name, the mean, the one that was roommates with Morticia, the blonde. She's six foot three. Fucking love her. Eden? Uh, Eden? Eden? Fuck, what was her name? Hold on. I lied. It was Principal Weebs. Okay, but played by a six foot three queen. I love that. There's a TikTok I saw of her and Jenna Ortega talking, and it's just like she's bending over, hovering over Jenna, and Jenna's just looking straight up. It's hilarious. Did you see the TikTok of, I think you might have been the one to send it to me, maybe that, or it was just on my For You page. Up until this role, that woman has had a really hard time landing roles that allowed her to wear makeup. Yeah. So yeah, I think I said that to you. So she always being as tall as she is, she always was cast in like a very masculine role. She was in Game of Thrones. I didn't even realize that, but love her even more for that. But yeah, she was playing a knight or like a soldier or whatever. She she, like fought. 
Yeah. Um, and yeah, obviously no makeup. I mean, I don't think anyone in that show is really supposed to be wearing makeup. Um, but yeah, she's always been cast as very masculine roles and this was the first time she was allowed to be feminine. So love that for her. Love to see a tall queen. Yeah. Um, I'm actually going to put a pause and say if you have not listened or not listened, not watched Wednesday, but you want to skip ahead a little bit on this. I am going to be talking about some spoilers from the episode or the series now because I feel like most people have gotten through it. I feel like we actually were pretty late to the game and starting it. Um, but I want to talk about Lurch at the end. Do you think that was Lurch? Yes, 100%. You think it was him? Oh, no, no, no. Sorry. I think that was the principal, Weebs, right? Okay, I do think Weebs is dead. I'm not going to hold you to it. I do think she's dead. I have a feeling that if they bring her back, it'll be some type of like supernatural type of vibe because I feel like that's just a Tim Burton thing to do, seeing his other- Yeah, I could see that. Other films. But- I'm not convinced that was Lurch. The eyes were different. And I also just genuinely think it's weird that her entire family wouldn't come pick her up. Yeah, I saw a TikTok saying that because, yeah, they wouldn't not come. And in every other scene, I guess, with Lurch, the family's there. He's always with the family. And he's never gotten so much screen time. So all of that and, yeah, the problem with the eyes tells me that it's not him. Maybe it's not Weebs, but another shape shifter for sure. Uh, definitely some other shape shifter. Part of me wonders if... It's going to be like, I'm throwing out a random, like somebody you wouldn't expect. What if um, Tyler's dad, even though they keep saying he's a normie, what if he's not? Could not be a normie. I don't know. I'm really excited for season two. I'm also really excited that like, I don't know, I every now and then when we were watching this, I was like, oh, it's going to feel riverdale Have you watched Riverdale? I did. And I think I stopped watching after season three three, maybe four, whatever season that they introduced the weird gargoyle storyline in, I was like, I'm done with this. This is so, I'm done. Yeah. It just got too weird. And I don't know. I'm ha I'm hoping that they don't do that with the Wednesday series. And I also hope that they don't lean too much into the love triangle. I really- Our man's Tim Burton would never let that happen. Yeah. And I know Jenna Ortega doesn't really- want it to focus on the romantic interests either, which I'm really excited about. Because that's not true to Wednesday's character. Yeah, no. I really want to see more of her family, honestly. My little scorpion. Yeah. And like her parents could have been cast better, in my opinion. Okay. I would love to divulge into why you think that. Is it just you don't like how they were displayed? Because I know that the the Adams family are oddballs. Like they're not supposed to be the most attractive people on the planet. So it has nothing to do with what they look like. And I know you haven't seen the like older versions, but they are just like so in love with each other. They have so much chemistry and just all this stuff. They seem to lack that in this series. In my it was very like the couple you cringe at in public because they're disgustingly all over each other and not in like a cute, oh, they just lock eyes the way they lock eyes with each other type of way, not the we're dry humping each other in front of our children. Yeah, yeah it, it was... It was more of the dry humping each other in front of the children and less of like the electric love that I think that they really had. And I understand that it's supposed to be seen through Wednesday's point of view, I guess, could be like what they're trying to do. I just feel like I don't like it. That 100% could be a very interesting take on that is looking at it as how she views her parents. And this is from Wednesday's perspective instead of how they actually are. That could be an interesting take. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if that's the way they were trying to go with it, which if that's what they were trying to do, they nailed it. <laughs> but as the viewer, I would like to see more of like, I don't know, a really 
cool and passionate love and also their goth daughter. And also their and Pugsley. <laughs> and Pugsley's there too. And Pugsley's there too. You know what's funny to me is, uh, keep in mind, I knew absolutely nothing about the Adams family prior to watching Wednesday Adams. It was just not a series that I grew up with. My family wasn't super into it. Um, Pugsley is always what I wanted to name my future pug. Really? Yes. Is it because of Pugsley? No. Did you know that? No. Like, I've always wanted to name it Pugsley since, like, I was in, like, first grade. So mm. I maybe subconsciously had heard it, but, like, I didn't grow up watching The yeah. Adams Family, so it wasn't something that I connected. Yeah. Fair. Hmm. Well, now you know. Future Pugsley. And we have gotten way off track in this intro because this is truly all we have to talk about right now, you guys. But anywho, yes, as Chloe mentioned earlier, um, this conversation with Hannah truly does feel very conversational. Like we're just a bunch of friends sitting on the floor talking about body image issues and self-confidence struggles and all of that. And Hannah just is one of those people that I feel like if you met her in person, she would give you that vibe immediately too. She's just so soft and open and warm. She was the perfect person to have this conversation with. And And intro this kind of topic with. And if this isn't something that you've like really looked into a lot or talked to your friends about a lot, I really think she is the perfect person to kind of like intro you to that. She puts it phrases it just very beautifully like or even if you don't have a friend group or family that you feel comfortable talking to these kind of topics about like let us be these people we'll we'll have a conversation with you right now yeah absolutely um and we forgot because we were having such a great conversation we forgot to ask her what her CEO certified product is, and she wanted to recommend the Quinn app. Quinn is the app for audio, erotica, browse creators, categories, and playlists, and find what you like best. Quinn was created by women for the world. Women have historically been underserved when it comes to erotic content, and we want to change that. I really think, Taylor, you downloaded this last night. What do you I did. I have not like used the app yet, but I want to explore it. I want to get a feel for it. And I followed the founder that Hannah was telling us about later in the episode you guys will hear. I really want to try to get her on the podcast. I think that could be a really cool part two to this kind of conversation and be an even deeper dive. Like This is a good taste intro into the topic, but I think that could be a really big deep dive. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is a great way to start the conversation. This is something that Taylor and I have gone back and forth with for a while about how we want to intro this topic to our audience because it is something that we've been wanting to talk about for a while. And I think, I don't know, I'm excited to get this started. Let us know what you guys think if you want to hear more conversations about it because we love talking about it. Not going to (laughs) lie. Yeah. It's so weird how as the podcast has gotten bigger, how I almost feel the need to like weirdly censor myself, even though me not censoring myself is the premise of why we had the podcast. I know. I don't know. It's weird because we're still at a place where it is a lot of family and friends listening. So it's like some stuff we're like, should I say that yet? It doesn't feel so anonymous yet. Yeah, because it's so weird how I would say a lot of really frank, candid things that I wouldn't say in front of my family to a room full of strangers just on the premise that I don't know any of you and I don't care. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Before we get into this episode, though, we do want to put a couple disclaimers out there. Obviously, as we said at the beginning, we're going to be talking about masturbation. We're also going to be talking about body image and specifically eating disorders. Body dysmorphia. Yeah, yeah. That's going to be real quick, not too into it, but we do just want to let you guys know. And we're going to be talking about consent, too. All right. At this point, we're just rambling and the intro is getting choppy. So we are going to cut it here and get into this interview with Hannah. 
Podcasting remotely can be challenging. I mean, God knows Chloe and I started a podcast in the middle of a pandemic with zero experience. But thanks to Zencaster's all-in-one web-based solution, the podcasting process has been quick and painless, the way it should be. If you've listened to our podcast for any length of time, you know that we have been obsessed with the quality of our audio from day one. And Zencaster provides crystal clear sound and gorgeous HD video. Not to mention, it's super easy to use, even for guests that aren't tech savvy. There's nothing to download, they just click the link and we start recording. Zencaster is all about making your podcasting experience easy. With everything from local recording to automatic post-productions in the tool, you don't have to leave your browser to get the episode done. We want you guys to have the same easy experience as we do for all of your podcasting and content needs. If you go to www.zen.ai slash CEOishpod and enter the promo code CEOishpod, you'll get 30% off your first three months. That's www.zen.ai slash C-E-O-I-S-H-P-O-D. It's time to share your story. What is up, bitches, hoes, and CEOs? We are back with Hannah Janae this week. And if you guys don't know who Hannah is, she is one of the few people we launched the podcast with. I think if I'm remembering correctly, she was episode seven. Um, I will link it in the show notes for your guys' ease of convenience if you want to check that out if you haven't already. But I can tell you both wholeheartedly that Hannah and I are equally embarrassed about that episode. So like, (laughs) do with it what you will. But we love to have Hannah on. We love our conversations and how they feel like you're sitting on your bedroom floor talking to your best friend. And we're going to continue on with our mental health chats because that is what Hannah's known for. She's a self-care and self-love cheerleader to all. And if you're not following her content, I will have everything linked in the show notes. She'll plug herself at the end as well. But welcome back, Hannah, to the podcast. Oh my gosh, it feels so good to be back. And I think it was just a year ago that I was on the podcast, but like, so much has happened since then. Uh I wasn't even engaged at that point. Like that happened two weeks after the podcast recording and now I'm married and now Ricky and I are talking about kids and it's just like- You bought a house. (laughs) We were already in the house at that time, but yeah, now we're coming up on our second year of like living together, um, eight years together, but man, time flies. But it's so good to be back with the two of you. I've missed you. We've missed you too. If you guys don't know, Hannah lived super close to both of us. We're all from Michigan and Chloe and her at one point were maybe 10 minutes apart Mm -hmm. from each other. So they saw each other with regularity more than we do now. So it just, we haven't seen Hannah in a while and this, this is exciting for us. Oh, it's so exciting. And you both were part of like my body painting series as well. Yes. Um, Super fun. Which just holds such a special place in my heart as well that you two Uh. were a part of that. I still I think it's still my top liked photo on Instagram like it is such a special piece and I'm so honored to have been part of that series. I was honored that you allowed me to paint your stomach and then Chloe you allowed me to paint your thigh and then you held this like gorgeous yoga pose for me as well. (laughs) Yeah those photos are incredible. It was super fun and just super like being in that moment with another woman like it's really nice to have friends that are all open and honest about mental health struggles and be able to talk about that. And it was just really cool. I feel like we bonded over that pretty quickly upon meeting each other. And it was just really nice. Yeah. And 
body confidence as well because that's a very vulnerable Mm -hmm. thing to have the most if you guys aren't familiar with Hannah's series she was painting people's biggest insecurities on their bodies and turning it into her own personal form of art so it's a vulnerable experience absolutely Mm -hmm. definitely but um, it's also like a way to kind of like take back um, that body part and just own own it yeah I think that's going to be a very big theme of this entire podcast episode because you came with a list of topics you wanted to talk about (laughs) with us and I'm here for it. We're going to get a little taboo in this episode, you guys, and my Sagittarius Saturn is so excited about this because I love taboo topics. So (laughs) as the Aquarius, this is what I live for. So we're, yeah, we're all about it. When we heard you wanted to talk about this stuff, we were extremely excited. So thank you. And for those of you who don't know, like, we're we're gonna intro it in our um in the intro, but we're gonna be talking about masturbation. I feel like Hannah is the perfect person to talk about this with, like, because everything like when you phrase things, you just phrase it so beautifully and make it comfortable to talk about. And I feel like as women, this is an uncomfortable topic to talk about. Oh yeah, because we're living in the 21st century, and you know, like we can go on HBO and see like male frontal nudity, and we can see like female frontal nudity. Uh, thanks, Game of Thrones. Um, and White Lotus, but then when it <laughs> shout comes out to, Theo James, <laughs> yeah. But then when it comes to discussions of like self pleasure and masturbation, off limits. Absolutely, and I, don't I get that. think men still have a very hard time viewing women as sexual beings. This is still a very new liberated conversation. Mm-hmm. We can't to- be sexual beings, but we can no. be sexual objects. We can be objects. It's the Madonna God we enjoy versus it too. whore complex. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to put a pin in this conversation because I want to back it up just a little bit before we dive straight into the taboo topic. A little comfy first. (laughs) I want to talk about where you were, I think, about a year ago because you came wanting to talk about your mental health experiences. You kind of hit a rock bottom. And I want to talk about where you were at both mentally and physically when you hit this rock bottom. What was going on? Catch us up. Yeah, so I'm just going to warn everyone, like, I'm going to get emotional. I'm going to own it. I'm going to try not to say I'm sorry for crying. Um, Yeah, I'm just going to own everything. Um, We are holding space for Hannah in this episode, you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Um, So maybe I should probably back it up a little bit. So, like, last time I came on the podcast, I was in a really great space. Um, But only, like, a a few short months later – I was in a very dark place. So like November 2021, um, we had just gotten back from Banff, Canada. Uh, I say we, um, my now husband, Ricky, and I, and we got married in Banff and we were going, we we took a trip there um, so we could just like preview like all the wedding details um, before we actually got married in July of this year. And I had high, I could, sorry, I could kind of see some warning signs um, that ultimate burnout was like imminent, but I thought, oh, I'll go on a vacation. I'll come back refreshed and everything will be fine. That- but that wasn't, okay, I'm already stopping you there. Cause that wasn't a vacation. You were wedding planning. Wedding yeah, planning is yeah. a stressful activity. It was. Yeah. But I guess I didn't exactly see it like that. And so when I came back, it was almost like a shock to my system that, it didn't fix everything. Um, and so it was November 11th. I came home f- 
from work and I don't even remember if it was like an especially hard day at work, but like I crawled into bed and I started crying and that's how Ricky found me when he got home and he asked me why I was crying and I couldn't answer him because I was crying so hard and he started begging me to get out of bed and I couldn't and he continued to beg and I asked him last night like if he was scared and he said he wasn't but I don't know I think maybe he was a little scared for me and so eventually he got me out of bed um I don't remember exactly what we talked about but he brought me downstairs he looked up therapists in the Grand Rapids area and he wrote up an email and I hit send which was really hard it was really hard to hit send and admit that I wasn't in control anymore. And within an hour, my now therapist responded and my first session was scheduled. And I have now been in therapy for over a year and she's amazing. And I am in a better place, a healthy place where I can actually talk about this and I want to talk about this. Um, but in that moment on November 11th, um, burnout, anxiety, negative body image and seasonal depression just like ultimately consumed me. Um, yeah. I have a couple follow-up questions for you. Mm -hmm. When you asked Ricky if he was scared for you, were you scared for you? I can't remember if in the moment I was scared for myself, but like, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, and thinking back about it, upon it, I can imagine that it was probably a very scary situation to just be walking into, you know, mm -hmm. seeing the house empty and then probably just like hearing me crying upstairs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He had no clue what he was walking into. And let me tell you, he just like handled everything so beautifully. I am very lucky to have him yeah. as my partner um, and have him by my side supporting me 100% um, along the way. It's really great to have someone in your corner who believes in the power of therapy. I love that. Yeah. Have you worked with therapists before this? I haven't, no. Um, there was also like a really dark period when I was um, a middle schooler and my parents had asked like, do you need to go see someone? And I probably should have started seeing someone, but I didn't. No. Now, you said there were signs of burnout and you were just ignoring them. Can you talk a little bit about what those signs were? Yeah. So again, like hindsight's twenty twenty, and when I when I when I now like research, um, well, like look into burnout and read about it. Um, Headache. Headaches are a sign of burnout. And at that time, I was getting about like maybe three headaches a week. And we thought that maybe it was something medical that I need to get looked at. Or maybe I'm not wearing my blue light glasses enough. Nope. It was very much a deep unhappiness with where I was at and the work that I was doing. Um, other signs were mood swings. Um, other signs were I didn't want to get out of bed in the morning. Um, also sleeping 
or having a hard time falling asleep can be a sign of burnout as well. Um, what are some other things that I was experiencing? Um, the overwhelming sense of just being a burden, being inadequate in my job as well was consuming. And that's something that I've had to like deal with my entire life. Like that is what my anxiety tells me that I am a burden, that I'm not good enough. Um, and you know, like when that consumes you, then, you know, you kind of like have a negative attitude. Um, and I just, I felt really numb and empty during a time where I should have been really excited to like be planning my wedding, but it, it wasn't that way anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And I know a lot of this is all situational too. Cause I mean, I'm your friend and I know what was going on behind the scenes and as well, <laughs> like you had a lot on your plate with the wedding planning and I don't think this has been mentioned yet, but not only were you working at a job, but you were transitioning jobs. Like I think twice it happened. So that puts a lot of stress on somebody as well. And if you don't mind me asking, do you think wedding planning as a whole contributed to the problem or were, was your almost apathy towards it a result of everything else that was going on? So I'll tell you exactly what it was. So within two sessions with my therapist, she diagnosed me with an adjustment disorder. So when things are out of my control, I can kind of spiral. Um, and lots had happened um, leading up to that point. And a lot of good things had happened as well. So things that I was having to adjust to. I had just moved out of my parents' basement and was now living with my boyfriend turned fiance, turned uh -huh. husband. Mm -hmm. And um, I just got an engaged. But at the same time, my parents' marriage was dissolving. They were getting a divorce. And so it was a really interesting juxtaposition to be planning my wedding, to be planning for my marriage while my own parents' marriage was was dissolving. And your parents are always yeah. your greatest example of love growing up. And it's kind of how you learn to show love too. I, I'm always fascinated by people's love languages and what their parents' love languages are because mm -hmm. oftentimes you learn how to love and show love through your parents. So I just think that whole dynamic is always interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that had a lot to do um, with what I was experiencing in November of last year, but also wedding planning is just a lot as well. And I wasn't even doing the brunt of like the wedding planning. We had hired a wedding planner because we were uh, doing a destination wedding. Um, but I've also recognized that one of my other anxiety triggers is money and the handling of money. And when you're planning a wedding, you are dealing with a lot of money. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and every decision becomes a very stressful <laughs> decision. Um, so it was just like the compounding of so many things that just tipped the scales. Mm -hmm. um, and I was acting like nothing was happening, that I can handle this, that I am superwoman, that I don't need to ask for help. Um, but if I were to even continue like the superwoman analogy, you know, like 
she's part of the Justice League. She has other people to rely on. Yeah, <laughs> she needs help too. <laughs> but I wasn't relying on anyone. Yeah. So I want to ask about your therapist for a little bit because it sounds like you were really lucky and had a great one, your first experience. What are some qualities that you've noticed in her? Because I know that some people go through, you know, four or five therapists before they finally find one that they feel like really resonates with them. Yeah. Um, So I'll just call her by her name. Her name's Michelle. She's wonderful. Um, She, she's like an aunt almost in the, in the qualities. um, Hmm. How do I say this? She, she's almost like an aunt-like figure. Um, she is empathetic. You know, she really cares and wants to see me and her other patients um, do well. And she gives, but then also she's not afraid to like toe about or like set a boundary and give you some tough love and be like, Hannah, come on. This all relates back to how you see yourself. Are you doing the homework? Are you putting in the work to actually see the differences that you Mm -hmm. want to see? And I will come to her with my tail between my legs and be like, no, I'm not. She's like, you got to stick with the program. You got to stay on your affirmations. You got to stay on, you know, like the the positive words that you use to describe yourself. You just got to come to yourself with that um, love that you would just show a friend. Um, And I really, really appreciate that about her. So, you know, she, she balances the soft and the hard. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, she, she knows when to push and she knows when to kind of like take a step back. And um, I think the other really great thing about our therapy sessions is we're not afraid afraid to like try um, different things as well. Um, recently, we've been doing a lot of inner child work because a lot of trauma is rooted in um, some childhood experiences. And we're not afraid to go to those places with one another. And um, we're and I'm not afraid to share uh, shameful things with her either. Um, but it's it's taken a year to get to that place as well. So I think to answer your question, what makes her a really great therapist is, you know, the balancing of the hard and soft, um, her making a comfortable space for me where I can share everything, even the shame, and then being willing to try different approaches with me um, so we can see, you know, possible outcomes. I want to come back to, in addition to affirmations, what else does the work look like for you? And I know the work for you isn't going to be the same for everybody else, but I want you to dive deeper into that. Yeah. So it's definitely um, affirmations. When I do say something negative about myself, I have to say five things that I do like about myself. I love that. I do Mm -hmm. that too. That's (laughs) Be grateful, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) So when I was... So like, for example, if I say, oh God, that was stupid of me. It's like, hold on, back it up. Nope. You got to say five things that you like about yourself because you are not stupid, Hannah. You know, you just, you made a mistake. And so being gentle with myself is a really big thing. Um, When my anxiety 
kind of like kicks my brain into overdrive. I try to do exercises that like root me in the here and now so I can just um, steady myself. Um, breathing exercises definitely help. What else? Um, oh, um, so I said we're doing a lot of like inner child work right now. So she had me go to Michael's and get some art supplies because as a kid, I was so artsy and I was drawing all the time. And now as a 27 year old, I don't do that anymore. And so I went to Michael's and I got myself, um, a pack of paper and I splurged on the really nice Crayola pencils and that makes pencils. me so happy for yeah. you <laughs> oh my gosh and so I've just been drawing and delighting my inner child and that has been so healing and um yeah the inner child work makes a big difference I it feel does. like I wish every adult would just indulge in their childhood hobbies. I feel like everyone would be so much happier. Oh, yeah. I feel like the happiest adults are the ones that accept the fact that their favorite things in life are their, the things they loved when they were like five or six years mm-hmm. old. And they mm-hmm. indulge on the most expensive version of it because they have the adult money to do so. <laughs> oh, exactly. Um, the other thing that I loved as a kid was um, reading fantasy. I loved Harry Potter. Um, I like Twilight and all the other. I was a dystopian kid. Hunger Games all the way. (laughs) Yes. Um, Vampires, werewolves, witchcraft, like all those things. Loved it as a kid. And so now I've gotten back into reading and I've really found some books that I've just become so passionate about and started following these authors and I've gotten stuck on book talk but like oh my gosh stop I've been wanting to do an episode dedicated to like Taylor's book corner talking about all my favorite books I'll have to bring you back for that episode please do because I will talk about um Court of Roses and Thorns (laughs) uh Between by L.L. Starling that's like my favorite book now um it's incredible and yeah it's all delighting the the inner child All right. Well, I think this perfectly transitions into the next topic I want to talk about, which is the parallel and paradox that you've been experiencing as a self-care and self-love content creator, but feeling absolutely no self-love towards yourself. Yeah. Yeah. It's So I was actually just listening to um, the episode we we recorded last year and hearing the way that I talked about my body with like so much love. And when I came to Michelle last year in November, I uttered the words, I hate my body. And she like had me stop. And she's like, that's a huge statement. The the use of the word hate is huge. And I, I guess I didn't even realize that I had used the word hate, but like in that moment, I felt that everything that I had stood for on my platform was now phony, that I was now fake, that I was inauthentic. And now looking back at that, you know, I know that's not true. Um, And I had just fallen into just a pit. Um, And it's all really part of like the self-love journey. Um, And yeah, uh, I'm now in a place where... I can appreciate my body where I can look at it with love. But then there's also days that I will admit where I just fall into 
comparison. Um, and I have to go back to those exercises that I've been taught in therapy. Um, today is not one of those days. It's, it's funny. Um, I showered this morning and I was looking at myself in the mirror and I was like, what is that on my belly? And I kind of like lifted it up a little bit and I found a stretch mark, my first stretch mark on my belly. Like I have them already like on my hips and thighs, but I was like, oh, hello there. You are new. How do I feel about this? I feel good about it. I feel good. This is a part of my body, um, just like all my other stretch marks, just like my wrinkles, just like my dimples, just like my acne. Freckles. Yeah, freckles. It is a part of me. And I look at it and I'm like, I'm getting older. I'm aging. My body's still changing. Just because I went through puberty when I was like, I don't know, 11, 12, doesn't mean that my body has stopped changing. Um, You know, I'm constantly changing. And so I think that's just something that I have to remind myself of, that my body is constantly changing. And like I said um, at the beginning of this episode, um, you know, Ricky and I are now planning on having children. And having children is going to change my body a lot. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And it equal parts excites me, but also scares me and just knowing the history that I have with my body. But days like this where I see something that other people dread, such as um, a stretch mark, and I can look at it and be like, hello, friend. That's a victory for me. Um, And it makes me hopeful that I will handle those bodily changes with grace when they do happen. I I think it's important to acknowledge too that the self-love journey, especially a body confidence journey, isn't linear and you're not, it's not like one of those things where once you decide that you're beginning the journey of self-love that you just feel great every single day and that bad days don't happen, off days don't happen, bad body image dysmorphia days don't happen. Yep. They just, they're, they're still there. It's, it's very much, um, a roller coaster of a journey, um, just like you said, there's there's bad days, there's good days, um, and it's it's how we handle them. Um, you know, sometimes there's weeks, mm-hmm. and I think it's important to acknowledge that those days happen. And I'm trying to get better at like publicly acknowledging them as well because I don't want to be seen as perfect. I'm definitely not perfect. I'm still very much on this journey, like everyone else is. Um, and I'm going to be on this journey for the rest of my life. Um, yeah. I think that sharing it and just sharing that you're not perfect really makes you that much more of a reputable person to follow and, you know, to look up to because somebody who's like, oh, let me teach you how to have perfect mental health. Like I have perfect mental health. Nobody has perfect mental health. You oh, know, yeah. what is that? What is perfect yeah, no. mental health? How <laughs> you're did you just gaslighting that? yourself if you think you have perfect mental health. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I did a series of like three um, posts on Instagram uh, during the week of the um, November anniversary. And in one of those posts, I reflected on the journey and I say, you know, sometimes I wish that this could have happened overnight, but 
I think that I needed to struggle. I think that I needed to have like those ups and downs on the way to where I'm at now to appreciate where I'm at now and to like learn about myself. So when future incidents um, arrive, like I can hopefully handle it better. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And like you said, you want to have kids, you're going to be able to pull from your own experience when they're going through the same thing, you know? Oh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Are you ever guilty of idolizing a an old version of your body? Because I know I think I'm my own worst offender of comparing myself to what I looked like in this photo. It's not even me comparing myself to other people on Instagram or my friends or whatever. Because I think with age comes confidence and like I've learned to dress for my body type. I have accepted that low rise is just never going to look cute on me. I have a high waisted <laughs> body. It just like those things come with age. But when you idolize an old version of your body, that's hard. Love high waisted um, as well, Taylor. <laughs> um, I think that's how I realized I did have body dysmorphia because I look back at pictures of myself when I was in high school, and I can recall back in high school, I thought I was like huge. And I look at those pictures now and I'm like, girl, what, what were you thinking? I would no. give anything to look like that again. Like, Yeah, 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 exactly. But I don't know. I, I looked back at a picture that I took um, this summer where I'm in a bikini and I'm like, damn, I look good. Mm-hmm. I look so good. And then I think back to the Hannah in high school and I'm thinking that girl would have never worn a bikini. She was not confident. Mm-hmm. And now here I am, 27, very different body, wearing bikinis, um, and feeling really good about myself. I think the most important thing is having like a healthy, strong body because I'm going to share a little of my own body dysmorphia right now. And Mm -hmm. it's something I'm actively struggling with and like working on too. Chloe hears me complain about it every fucking day and she's (laughs) going to yell at me. I know this, but like I, I went through a period in college. I drank. I ate like shit. Like, you know, the pizza takeout diet. You buy cheap pasta because you're just in college and you mm-hmm. can afford two what fellas. you can afford. What you can afford. Shout out to <laughs> fellas Kalamazoo. We still love you. Um, <laughs> but I worked my way up to being an unhealthy weight for myself. And you know what? I've decided that I'm not going to share the numbers just because I feel like that creates dysmorphia for other people and everyone's bodies, heights, weight, et cetera, is so personal to them. But I got to what was an overweight, unhealthy weight for me, my body height, structure, et cetera. And then over the course of after graduation between stop eating like shit because I moved home and my mom was making me dinner again and everything was all balanced. Um, The stress of working a full-time job and then becoming an entrepreneur and that being its own stress Um, and accumulation of a lot of other outside factors just stressing me out. I dropped down to being underweight to a point where my doctor got concerned. I think over the course of the two years, I had lost between almost 40 to 50 pounds, which was 
a lot Mm -hmm. for when you're not trying to lose it and it was a drastic drop and it was one of those things that I had to like reconcile with because I have never thought I had an eating disorder I can look at food and I Chloe and I were just talking Mm -hmm. about this last night I can look at food and if I want the piece of cake I have no problem rectifying the calories if I want it I'm gonna enjoy it I don't care but with all of that I do have a lot of disordered eating habits in terms of like timing in which I eat and all of this and the amount of damage it does on your psyche to know that you yourself are not healthy you're not losing weight in a healthy way but having the outside world tell you that you've never looked better and then finally I'm I'm out on my own I've been living in Nashville I've been drinking I'm cooking for myself again I have put on probably mm, 10 pounds since then, all weight I needed to put on. I can look at myself in old photos and be like, damn, you were underweight. You do not look good. You look a little, you're just, you don't look healthy. And, but it's still so hard to see yourself in those like photos where you were your tiniest or whatever, and knowing that you've put on a healthy amount of weight, but still not being able to almost rectify the weight. Yeah. Yeah. There is a song Um, I'm forgetting the artist that really speaks to what you're talking about. It's called Dying on the Inside. It's by um, uh, a woman who got famous um, from TikTok. She she was like in one of those um, TikToker houses. I'll have to check it out. It it definitely speaks to that where the, the outside world sees you one way, but then you know yourself another way. You know yourself on the inside. And it really fucks with your brain to see people affirming and validating a body that I don't want to put words in your mouth that feels wrong. Taylor is a- it, it's a, it's weird because in a way I know I needed to lose some weight, but I know I didn't lose the weight in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. So it's just acknowledging those habits. I don't know. It's a very very conflicting place to be yeah and it's also a triggering place like this entire conversation I know is probably triggering people I'm sorry guys put a disclaimer in the intro yeah we'll put a disclaimer in the intro also I remembered the tiktoker's name her her name is um Nessa Barrett I believe okay Um, yeah okay awesome okay so on the note of self-love, we want to take this to a more physical sense, if you know what I'm saying. It's a tone How shift. have you used self-pleasure to improve your mental health and self-image? Um, so there are so many benefits of self-pleasure um, mm-hmm. or masturbation. Um, one, um, w- there are chemical releases within the brain. And so self-pleasure, when you're having that orgasm, it's releasing dopamine in your brain, um, which makes you happy. Um, It also lowers uh, cortisol levels and cortisol is the chemical associated with stress. And so it's a stress reliever. Um, If you are masturbating before bed, um, it helps you fall asleep faster. Um, and also, you know, you're getting to know your body through self-pleasure. And so it's look, it's been linked to, um, positive, um, body image as well. And also like, it's so empowering to know, like what makes you happy, what 
um, how your body reacts to certain things. It's just, it's really empowering. Mm -hmm. Sorry, does that answer your question? I got so excited to talk about this. (laughs) Okay, so on that note, how do you think personally that um, self-pleasure has improved your own relationship with your own Mm self-love? I think being able to take my pleasure into my own hands has been the most empowering part, but then also becoming really well acquainted with my body as well. Um, It is what's really improved my relationship with my body. Um, Was this a therapist recommended tactic or was this a journey you started on your own accord? I'm going to expose myself here. I've been masturbating way before I started therapy. Uh, we all have. <laughs> what, what are we pretending here? Yes, like, women so masturbate. Don't talk about like, it, but they okay. do masturbate. <laughs> yeah, like I I got my first vibrator when I turned 18. Like I abided Same. by the rules. Um, Left my parents' house and did what I wanted. Got my own Amazon yeah. account. Do what oh, you yeah. want with that information. Yeah, <laughs> Friends yeah. pressured me into buying one and I was like, hell yeah. And now, yeah, and now we are all asking you for your recommendations. Yeah. So <laughs> um, I really like the Satisfier Pro. Um, I also really love, okay, it, the Satisfier Pro is one of like those clitoral stimulators that oh, we uses love them. air pulsing technology. Shut up. Ooh. Oh my God, it's amazing. It's, I think it's like $69, 69. That's a good deal. <laughs> um, but it is fabulous. I would not want a vibrator to cost me anything else to be completely yeah, yeah, honest. Yeah. <laughs> um, you can also find other really good vibrators like on Adam and Eve that are a fraction of the cost. And plus you can find coupons. I'm going to shout out the Tracy's dog. I've never heard of that one. My friend, I'm not going to expose her, but my friend recommended <laughs> that one to me. And that one was life changing. I'm just going to put that out there. Dog. I've got to look I'll that up I'll send you now. a link. Okay. I'm going to send you yeah. a link. Send me a link because, okay, unfortunately, my Satisfier Pro, I think, just died um, after five years of having it. So, like, it's I'm in a the trooper. market. I'm in- yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm in the market for something new. Put in work. <laughs> um, I also really like um, the off-brand Adam and Eve, like, Hitachi wand. It's great. It comes with, like, eight different settings. Um, and it's a powerful thing. Um, and I probably only use like three settings, but it's nice to have variety. Um, sorry, I forgot your original question. (laughs) (laughs) I think we were chatting about, (laughs) God, I love podcasting with friends. It's so much fun. Um, just how you've been using self-pleasure to rebuild your relationship with your own self-love image. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think, um, owning my pleasure and taking my pleasure into my own hands, even as a married woman, uh, there is no shame in that, and it's very mm-hmm. empowering. And God, I'm about to do actually, this. there's nothing more empowering than an empowered man who knows the power of them yes. as their friends and not mm-hmm. their enemies. So she oh, made, yes. not an opponent. Yes. Exactly. Um, introducing Ricky to my vibrator was so scary. Uh, because I was like, what is he going to think of this? And what is he going to think of introducing Uh this into our relationship? And he was hesitant at first, but now we're solid. 
we're good. I feel like love to hear that. It yeah. makes men insecure until they have a woman that they've built a really close relationship with to show them how it's a teammate and not an opponent and not something exactly. like it's not it's not a you're not satisfying me thing, but it's sometimes most men don't put in enough work and we need a little extra help. <laughs> and sometimes it is too, like just being a woman. Sometimes it's just not going to happen no matter how good it is. Oh, and yeah. sometimes it might Max. almost not happen and you can only get there with the extra help. And that really has nothing to do with how good, you know, your teammate is doing. Oh yeah. And it has nothing to do with you either. No. no. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, so I've been reading a lot about doing like affirmations and manifestations during self-pleasure. Do you know anything about that? I have not done that. Okay. Well, maybe Send something to try. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think I first heard about it on TikTok. Surprise, surprise. But yeah, I've just been, I do it a lot. Like I just tell myself how fucking high I am the entire time and it works. Yes. <laughs> I love that. No, that hadn't occurred to me, but I really, I really like that. Hmm. I can see okay. the wheels in yeah. motion in yeah. Hannah's brain Something right now. Okay. One day Hannah's going to write the best affirmations mm-hmm. and self-love book and I'm going to be the first person to purchase it. Like I swear to you. Oh gosh. I need to get back on my affirmation kick. I really miss yeah. it. I- you know what? Instagram is just not what it used to be. No, you it's know? Not. It hasn't been since we've started this podcast. It's been on a downward spiral. I feel like you could start a really fun daily affirmation series on TikTok and the videos could just be super quick, not super edited or super aesthetic. I mean, I know that is your thing and you love the editing aspect of it, but I feel like you could also do that so it wouldn't feel so daunting of a text. Posting on social media can feel so daunting when you have multiple jobs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, I really like that as well. Um, I've started to um, go through who I'm following on TikTok and ask myself, okay, what kind of value is this person bringing me? Are they really just suggesting um, Amazon buys in all of their videos? And have I actually like bought something from them? And then I'll I'll like weigh that conversation in my head and be like, okay, maybe I can like unfollow this person. Um, and so my TikTok has become a lot more positive place um, for me. And I've started to follow a lot of people that do affirmations or that come up with like these affirmational songs. Like there's this woman that I follow. I think her name is Mother Moon on um, TikTok. And she has this um, belly song that is geared towards children. But Oh my gosh, I totally know the song you're talking about. Big belly, little uh, belly. belly. I love it so adorable. much. Adorable. I want her to put it on Spotify. It is on Spotify. <laughs> she is put it, it on Spotify. It's on Spotify. I'm linking it in the show notes. Everybody go listen to it. It is beautiful. I cried the first time I heard it. I'm getting a little emotional thinking about it now because like, yeah, my belly has been something that I've struggled with and it's again doing like that inner child work, but also like the 27 year old work as well mm-hmm. and really just like reclaiming my my body for me um and not what society has told me that my body should look like and oh guys follow mother moon she's amazing i think she's going to be coming out with like a book and like an entire um album of these really great songs that are geared towards children but can be used um by adults as well 
I love that. That makes me think of uh, Snoop Dogg's affirmation songs that he put out too, also for kids. But I'm like, as an adult, I fucking love this. Can we talk about the <laughs> yep. evolution of Snoop Dogg for a second? <laughs> this man. <laughs> On trial for murder one year, writing children's affirmation songs the next. A Martha Stewart. <laughs> icon. Um, I recently found out that him and I think Cameron Diaz went to school together. And yeah. she actually bought like weed from him. <laughs> I was a high schooler, and I was like, "That's amazing! That's an incredible story." So funny, but yes, the evolution of Snoop Dogg, incredible. Uh, uh, all right, I feel like we got way off track. I don't yeah, even remember sorry. where we were. We were we were still talking about the uh, the self pleasure. Oh yeah, affirmations while self while mm. masturbating. Yeah, no, I I haven't been tried yeah. that before. Oh yeah, I've been trying that and like the manifestation because supposedly like your energy level you know is at a place where it's easier to manifest easier to like do the affirmations and stuff personally I haven't tried a whole lot with the manifesting but the affirmations I love to do it's become like a regular every time mm-hmm. TMI but <laughs> oh no no don't worry now, this podcast is our personal therapy session at this yeah. point anybody who is still continuing to listen is looking for too much information from us at <laughs> <Yes>. this <laughs> hello <laughs> all right well there is one last topic I want to touch on with you uh before we let you go here and actually I'm going to pass the mic off to Chloe with this one because it was actually her question so okay so yeah as we were talking about the other day you did an internship for a female-owned condom company in college. Yeah. And I want to know how that, especially college, I feel like is a lot of time that women are coming into their sexuality and being able to like outwardly talk about it. So I want to know how that has impacted A, your relationship with sex, B, your relationship with talking about it, and then also your body image. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the company was called Lovability. It's – well – it's still called lovability. Um, and I think I found them through like my Instagram explore page. They had like posted like a really aesthetic like quote or like maybe some statistic about like sex education. And I was like, let me check out the rest of like their Instagram. And I was hooked and started following it. And one day when I was a senior in college, I saw that they were accepting applications for a social media intern. And I was like, what the heck? I like to talk about sex. Um, I was regularly having conversations about sex with um, sorority sisters because... I mean, what else do you talk about yeah, in the sorority exactly. house? Like, a hookup culture <laughs> happens yeah. in college. Um, and we're also sexual beings. So, like, why not? Um, and so I applied, interviewed, and got it. And then I told my parents. And they were like, <laughs> what did you do? You can't put that on your resume. How is yes, anyone going to respect you? What kind of companies is that going to attract, if any, you can't keep that on your resume. Um, and like for, for reference, um, I grew up in Bible Belt, West Michigan, born and raised here. My college is here as well. I, I really didn't go far for school um, just because I found a really good school that I liked. And um, my parents raised me in the church as well. And they have um, their strong tr- traditional beliefs and Once I went away to college, I started kind of like butting heads with those beliefs. I actually came back from 
my um, sophomore year of college and I had just done like the vagina monologues and I was now a Democrat and I was voting like a Democrat and my dad's like, I don't know what Hope College did to you, but like it is not the same school that I went to. He thought I was going to get like a Christian education. But um, I digress. They were not fans, but I was super excited. And so I learned so much about the the human body, both female and male bodies, while um, doing this internship. But I also learned a lot about sex education. And I learned that sex education is not regulated here in the U.S. in terms that it varies from state to state, it varies from city to city, and then it can also vary from classroom to classroom. Um, some will teach you how to put on a condom and others will just show you really scary pictures of diseases on genitals. And mine was very much uh, scare tactics and abstinence, which yep. doesn't work. People still get pregnant. Um, and so I got to learn a lot about sex education and teach other people about sex education as well as the product, which was, you know, um, condoms that were created um, by women for women to carry to encourage their partners to wear during sex. Um, and I still have these condoms because it's just like such a proud moment um in my career in social media um and eventually like that internship came to an end once I had like a full-time job but um that internship like taught me a lot about the way that we talk about sex sexuality and the way we we teach sex mm -hmm. as well um and unfortunately oftentimes it is you know fear-based abstinence, which I is really unfortunate. would and love to do an entire deep dive episode with you about purity culture as somebody please. who also came from Catholic purity culture. Please. Well, Taylor, I'm right now deconstructing my religious experience as well. So. I've been doing that <laughs> since eighth grade. <laughs> I have a lot to um, share um, because it's a lot of fear-based um, tactics. Um, and honestly, there needs to be more talk about self-pleasure and masturbation yeah. and consent within sex education because frankly it's not there right now yeah yeah there is so many uh conversations that i've had with friends starting mostly in college where i said yes in that situation mm -hmm. so it wasn't an assault but i didn't mm -hmm. feel like i could say no or like i didn't say yes but i didn't say no there's so many conversations yeah. that i've had with friends that looking back on pack past conversations of like, yeah, technically I wasn't assaulted, but I didn't know better at that time. And that is such a gray area. It's such a gray a area lot. that needs to be talked about as soon as we're having these conversations about sex with kids. I remember my first sex conversation in school was in fifth grade. Never once was the word consent brought up. Oh yeah. Yeah. When I had the birds and the bees talks with um, my mom, might have been in fourth or fifth grade and it was like sex is between a man and a woman who love each other who are married mm -hmm. um and who are doing it to have children hannah you are none of those things so you are not having sex until you are married that's unrealistic yeah and also it's not just between a man and a woman um 
Ugh, I can get into so much there. Um, <laughs> Future episode coming yeah, soon. <laughs> yeah, for real. But like, there's just so many areas that we need to progress. And I wish our education system was like took a page out of like some Scandinavian countries' education system because there are some Scandinavian countries that are teaching consent in kindergarten, starting with, hey, do you want a hug? No? Mm-hmm. Okay, then I won't give you a hug. Yeah, which is exactly, incredible. Yeah. And we teach our kids, oh, even though that creepy old man that you see once a year, yeah, he's your grandpa, your uncle, but like you only see him once a year, he creeps you out. You have to hug him anyway. Go give him a kiss. Yeah, go yeah. give him a kiss. Like that's teaching your kids. You have to be physical with people that make you uncomfortable if society tells you you do. Yeah, definitely. Um, I will say like kudos to my parents for giving me these books as a kid that taught me that like my body is private um, and that my body is my own and that like no one should be pressuring me to do things that I don't want to do. And also shout out to um, the American Girl uh, book, The Care and Keeping of You, that (laughs) taught me so much about my body. I'm Um, taking this opportunity to plug our episode with the author of that book, Dr. Kara Natterson. I don't remember what episode it was, but we did interview her and she is just one hell of a person and she's doing some awesome things still with puberty and children's body image with her entire underwear line. Well, it's bras and underwear now, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, I believe they've expanded. And why am I – do you remember the name I'm blinking? Umla. Umla. Mm -hmm. Yes. Thank you both. O-O-M-L-A. I'll have them linked in the show notes along with the episode. Kara's awesome. An icon. Just cultural reset that book Mm -hmm. was. I would love to see that book redone from the perspective and inclusivity of the LGBTQ Mm -hmm. community as well, because I do know, and I've seen TikToks, I'm not even going to pretend that my sources and sightings aren't TikTok in this case scenario, (laughs) that that book does alienate their feelings. So I do want to acknowledge that. And I would love to see a modern 21st century book written, written, hello, am I okay? Written about that. I agree. Oh my gosh. There... There's so much to be learned about sexuality. Um, and it's fluidity. Yeah, yeah. And that's not sex. You know, parents, don't worry. It's sexuality. It's knowing ourselves and who we are and what we like and what we don't like and acknowledging those things. Um, I promise you it's not brainwashing as some political can- candidates um like to state. I could get into it. Laughs, cries in pain. Yeah. I just feel like the more that we know about the subject, the more we're able to make decisions for ourselves that feel right for ourselves. And when we go about teaching our kids about sex, it's just, just don't do it. It's really hard to make good decisions that you're going to look back on years from now and still feel happy about. Yeah. And the more we have conversations just like this, putting them Mm. out, starting the conversation, like it might not be a, hey, you agree with me, but at least we can start talking about it and find Mm. some common ground in between. Mm -hmm. These conversations are just so productive and thought provoking. And um, I used to call them Cosmo talks uh, between like my uh, sorority friends, but it, that, it doesn't diminish, you know, like the validity of these conversations mm-hmm. as well and just like the power behind them. 
too. You know, we've talked about everything from taking our pleasure into our own hands to consent to the gray areas to like education. And there's just so much value in that. And it just, it sets me on fire. I love it. Mm -hmm. I love that. Well, we have taken up nearly an hour of your time and Chloe unfortunately has to get to work. So that's disappointing, but Hannah, we love you so much. You are always welcome back on the podcast. Please plug away Instagram, TikTok, all of it. I'm done. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So you can find me, um, on TikTok, Pinterest and Instagram at Hannah Janae, uh, H A N N A-H-J-E-N-A-E. And I talk about everything from self-care to self-love and just various lifestyle topics as well. Um, Just kind of really embracing um, the things that matter to me and encompass my life. And you know, you'll you'll get to see my husband on there as well, as well as our many wed- wedding pictures because I can't so shut, beautiful. shut up about it. Like, I, Please never shut up about it. It is the most beautiful wedding I've ever seen. Yeah, I'm just obsessed. <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much for coming on and being so open and vulnerable with us. I know that our audience really loves it and it really resonates with them. Oh my gosh, my pleasure. Thank you so much for for validating me and creating this space for me where I can share my story and my thoughts and feelings on various topics. And I hope your listeners have gotten some value out of it. And if you have, um, I just request that maybe you like pop into my DMs and say hi. You know, let's have conversations. I love it. Yes, do it, you guys. Hannah's the sweetest person ever and she will reply, I promise. <laughs> yeah, 100% I will. All right, bitches, hoes, and CEOs, thank you so much. And we will hang out with you guys again next week. All right, CEOs, that is it for today's episode. We hope you guys enjoyed it. And as always, you can find all of our episode and guest information in the show notes, as well as on our website, www.coishpodcast.com, spelled like our name without the dash. Thank you all so much for supporting our show. And for more CEO-ish, be sure to give us a follow over on Instagram at CEO-ish podcast. And be sure to follow us on our personals at Chloe Elizabeth Creative and at Tay Graham Biz. Be sure you're subscribed to CEO-ish wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you really love the show, be sure to give us a five-star review, whether that be on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcasts. It really does help us out and we read every single one. We love you guys so much and thank you for tuning in to CEO-ish. We'll see you CEOs in the next episode. Bye.